Hi, I'm Kian. And I'm Romina. And you're listening to Sci Section on 93.3 CFMU. We are here today with Dr. Michael Bunrosh, who served as the Provost and Vice President of Ryerson University and is now the President and Vice Chancellor of the University of Manitoba. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Bunrosh. My pleasure. To start, we do have two rapid fire questions for you. Firstly, who's one of your role models in the community? Um, so one of my role models is uh, an academic by the name of Paul Krugman. Um, and uh, he, he is an individual who uh, started as kind of an international trade economist and now writes op-ed pieces. And um, one of the reasons is, I, you know, I, a lot of the work I did in my PhD thesis was modeled after his work. But I, I think he's taken economics to a point, and, and my background is economics, where um, he's trying to bring economics to everybody in the public, and so that it's not just a theoretical concept in people's minds. So I've always followed him around. He tends to be fairly opinionated and uh, doesn't back down uh, when he's challenged, and, and I've always really uh, looked up to somebody with uh, kind of... Um, his, you know, intelligence and experience. He, he, he won a Nobel Prize at a very, very young age. Uh, so obviously a lot more brilliant than I am, but uh, I've learned a lot from him. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And what do you think has been one of the most important discoveries of all time? Wow, of all time? Yes. <laughs> um, I was going to say electricity because, uh, you know, it, it completely changed the way we were able to do things. And so, you know, I think that that was one of the most important, but there are so many. For sure. There are so many examples, but electricity is a really good one and it's helped us in so many different ways, for sure. And now moving on to your profession, could you give us a summary of your educational path and how it led you to where you are today? Okay, well, um, so let me just tell you first that my family moved to Canada when I was uh, four years old. And so, um, you know, we, we came from Morocco. And so, you know, I started in an elementary school when my English was not very good. You can see now that I, I don't speak with an accent. I actually speak my, my uh, first language with an accent, which is Spanish, with an English accent. Um, but, you know, I, I, um, I went to, I started after high school. Um, I actually started at the University of Manitoba, but I switched to the University of Winnipeg after first year, mostly because it was closer to my home. Uh, and a friend of mine said, you know, um, why don't you come to University of Winnipeg with me? And so I switched there. And, um, you know, I, I started in sociology, but, in, but in, uh, it was actually in third year, maybe in second year, I took an intro economics class. And um, it really clicked with me. And then a little further in my undergraduate degree, maybe in my third year, the chair of the department called me in and, and said, you know, um, you're doing really well here. You should think of a career. And she said, you know, there's a summer opportunity at a local college. It was kind of a secretarial training college. And they wanted somebody to teach them an economics class. And she said, you know, would you like to do it? And I did it. And that gave me the bug for teaching. Um, and so from there, I... I did a master's degree at the University of Western Ontario and then a PhD at Carleton. Uh, and then I was just lucky again to be hired back in my hometown of Winnipeg. And I got a position at the University of Winnipeg where I spent uh, 20 years of my career. So, you know, um, I think it shows how 
you know, you find something that you're passionate about. And then if, if a faculty member or somebody reaches out to you, it's, it's just could change your career and your life. That is really inspiring. And your story would definitely be considered a success story. And usually a lot of us as students get fascinated by success, personal or professional, but without knowing all the challenges that were faced along the way. I'm sure being at your position right now did not happen easily. So can you tell us about some of the challenges that you faced along the way? Well, there's, you know, there's, there's so many challenges you face in a career. Um, you know, I, I would say my first challenge was, um, you know, coming into university and, and coming from a family where, you know, my parents never had the opportunity to, to go to university. And so where do you turn to when you need help? And um, at the time, you know, when I, you know, when I look around universities now, I see lots of students that come from other countries, lots of students that come from other backgrounds. But at the time when I looked around university, you know, there weren't that, they were mostly students who were from Canada and they were Canadian. And so where do you turn for help um, when you need that? And I think, I think that those were challenges where, you know, uh, you know, with my children, I obviously have gone to university. My wife has a master's, and so we're able to give them advice. But, but for me, I, I didn't have those people to turn to. And so I think some of the challenges were making those choices and sometimes making mistakes along those choices. Um, you know, I would say one of my biggest challenges was the transition to writing my PhD thesis. Uh, and, you know, my advisor came to me after I, I gave him a draft of a couple of chapters and said, look, if you're going to be a professor, you have to learn how to write better. Um, and um, I had to actually step back. And, um, you know, I found actually a tutor who helped me learn how to write better. And I do believe that part of my lack of skill of writing was the fact that, you know, I didn't come from a from a family that spoke English. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that from birth. And I never, I think through high school, never took the time and nobody ever connected with me enough to say, okay, here's how you fix it. You know, they would give me lousy marks in English, but they wouldn't say to me, well, let's step aside and try to fix it. And I think that that was a real challenge and I had to overcome that in order to be able to continue in a degree uh, and to, to do work in university. And, uh, you know, we, we all face those challenges. And I, I think that I got the right kind of help and, and was committed enough to be able to do that. That's really inspiring to hear because I feel like as students, when we face challenges, sometimes we have this tendency to give up. But really, right. just like you, we really need to push through and overcome those challenges because as a person, once you overcome those challenges, you really do grow and you do develop new skills. So hopefully more students, after hearing your response, will start to do that. I certainly hope so. And, you know, I think students look at professors and they think, oh, yeah, they were always the smartest person in the class. But that, that's not always true, right? We have faced our challenges and we've had to overcome those. And we've had to get help when we need that help. Definitely. And obviously, as a student and with your career today, you must lead a very busy life. So what activities do you rely on to balance your professional life? Well, first and foremost, my family. So, um, you know, uh, uh, taking refuge in family and enjoying time with family and friends is, is something that, that I've always done. I've always made time for that uh, during my career and, and never, you know, never tried to waver from that, even though sometimes I get really busy. Um, you know, I, I, I do like to read. Um, I like to watch 
I, I used to say good movies, but now you can watch really good shows on Netflix or whatever. Um, and I've, I've always had a passion and love for basketball. Um, and I, I love to golf, though I don't get out very much because it takes so much time. <laughs> That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, so with the current pandemic going on, a lot of the students are not happy with the situation due to the remote learning approach of universities. Mm. Uh, so what do you think are some of the benefits and drawbacks of remote learning for students? Right. So let me, let me first say we're all not happy with this in the way that it's been introduced. I, I think remote learning has, has a place um, in universities, but um, you know, none of us foresaw. I never thought I would start my presidency um, in this kind of environment. I never thought I would have to help Ryerson University uh, go remote. I, I think a big, uh, one of the things about, there, there are things we can do with remote learning that we actually can't do in the classroom. There's, there's a, an outreach that we can do through remote learning that we're not able to do inside the classroom. There's things we can do with remote learning um, that um, we can do outside of the three hours that we normally do in the classroom. Um, and we also have the ability to uh, bring a lot more material into the class. And I, I think for students, part of what uh, helps them is an opportunity to kind of break up their time. So, you know, if, if they don't learn in, a, in an environment where you go and sit and, and just have one opportunity to hear your professor, um, now things may be recorded. You can go back and listen to things again. Um, you can connect with people. And, and so I, th I think that there's a real important place for remote learning and there's a lot, of, a lot of ways in which it can enhance our learning experience. Um, and I think one of the other ways is by bringing technology. One of the things this has forced us all to do is learn those technologies that we've, you know, we've knew were out there but really haven't. And I, I think we're on the cusp of something different, which is that, you know, the companies that develop software are going to learn from this. They're going to learn about what's not working and what's working and what's missing. I think one of the big things that's missing is that individual contact, that interpersonal contact that we all thrive on, or that many of us thrive on. And I, I think that the technology right now doesn't allow for that. So, you know, when you come into a classroom and you sit down next to somebody and you say, hi, how are you doing? Uh, my name's, and, and then you have a conversation. We're all missing that right now. And, and so much of what we learn happens in that kind of interactive way. Definitely. And just like you said, it does have benefits. Remote learning does have its benefits. But I feel like <laughs> the way that we started, it was with such a negative mindset that we really yeah. focused on the drawbacks rather than the advantages. So hopefully for this upcoming term, we all go into it a little bit more positively and really enjoy those benefits. And hopefully in the long run, as you said, these developments are made just to make the system even better than it already is. Right. And, and, you know, that's a great way of looking at it. And, you know, it happened so fast, we weren't really able to prepare. And, and really good online learning and virtual learning takes a lot of preparation and a lot of thought. Um, in many ways, a lot more than coming into a regular class. Um, uh, because, you, 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 you know, you have to be much more deliberate about things. And so hopefully coming into September, we'll start to see a bit more richness in the classroom. Definitely. And just as one final question, what advice would you give to undergraduate students listening to the show right now? I would say, um, follow your passion. 
Um, you know, when you, when it doesn't matter what it is, parents don't want me to say this because they want me to tell you to go into professions that lead to certain jobs. Um, but, but really, you know, it's the students who become passionate about something um, that leads to really fulfilling careers and, and really fulfilling work. And so, you know, I think it's really important to follow your passion. Also, under, you get to do things as an undergraduate student that you'll never have an opportunity to do. When, when you go to work, you'll have, a, you know, you'll have to do uh, work that is assigned or work that, that you have to get done for a client or whatever it might be. But in the undergraduate programs, you can explore a little bit, um, you know, and, and I, I've always told students that in, in an undergraduate program, if there's, if there's some courses or some things that you're really interested in, if you can fit them into your degree, do it at that time. Um, and, you know, that's, that's when to do it and, and just follow your heart and passion on some of this. Um, you know, I realize at the end of the day, we all want to get a job. And, and so there's some things you need to do in order to do that. The last piece I would say is just try to do the best you can. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I learned through all of this is that um, the, the, the motivation and the effort I put in as an undergraduate um, paid off later as, as um, you know, part of what, you know, part of what I think has been my success is, is certainly not always my intelligence, but, but how hard I've always worked uh, and how passionate I've been about the things I, I've done. So that would, that would be my advice. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of the students would appreciate hearing that from you. That does bring us to the end of this interview. Thank you once again for joining us today and talking to students and inspiring them. For everyone listening, make sure to check out SciSection's podcast available on global platforms for our latest interviews.